This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Summer League continues on here at Vivint Arena uh, today, day off tomorrow, and then back at it on Friday. Lower tickets uh, started just, lower bowl tickets started just $12 to see the Jazz Spurs and Grizzlies compete. Visit slcsummerleague.com to lock down your seats today. In fact, Gordo, you're very generous. You want to give away a four-pack of seats to Friday's games? Love it, yeah. This is coming right out of Gordon's pocket directly. Well, I'm happy to give. 12th caller right now, 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-ZONE. You know, Jake, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit torn with the summer league because on the one hand, okay, let me, let me uh, say that I'm mostly pro. I mean, there's a lot of fun things about this league. Uh, to, to see the games, to get sort of an up-close view, and to get glimpses of some of the players who you might not be as familiar with. Uh, uh, and, and those guys, I think we have seen the ones, the players who really would give a team an opportunity to utilize them at some point. They do stand out, but there are some guys in the league where you just go, okay, I'm not sure that guy's ever going to be in yeah, playing top level basketball, you know? So now you're you're bagging on guys that are just trying to make the league. No, I want them to make it if they can, but uh, the the ones that seem to have the talent stand out. Jeez, and they're we... fun to watch. I mean, you want to ask Ben about that? Yeah. All right, let's get out to the Smart Rain special <laughs> guest line. It's no mystery Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. Ben, do you agree with that assessment that the good players stand out a lot in summer league because everybody else sucks so badly? <laughs> you you coming said. along with that? That's not what I said. Yeah, that's basically what you said. You can tell the difference between NBA guys and non-NBA guys pretty quick, and I thought you saw that uh, pretty apparently with uh, Trent Forrest last night. I thought he stepped up and, and looked like a guy who both played in the NBA and probably belongs in the NBA. And some of the guys who just you know aren't going to make it, they just don't have the size, they don't have the speed or the body quite to, to translate from being a good college player to, to good enough to play professionally. Ben, what do you make of the, the, the moves the Jazz are making? Uh, they've been very, very busy. What do, you, what do you make of it within the context of what the Jazz already have? They feel deliberate, and I think that's usually a good sign. It seems like some teams let out, uh, get out into free agency and the offseason, and they just kind of let what happens happen. Like whoever will sign with them, they'll take that person, and it doesn't seem like they have a lot of direction. Uh, it certainly seems like Justin Zanuck and, and owner Ryan Smith came into the summer with a plan. They knew who they wanted to target in the draft. They knew what their goals were and how they were going to try and cut some money and how they were going to do that and what they were willing up to, willing to give up to do so. And then how they feel like they could, you know, fill in the roster with some of those spots that they they save money. So I, I think they've done a nice job. I think Rudy Gay is probably a good addition. He's different than George Niang, and and I think George Niang was probably a better player than some Jazz fans want to give him credit for, just because of some of his, you know, some of the things he couldn't do stood out very apparently. It allowed you to overshadow the things he did so well. Uh, but I think Rudy Gay is a really good addition. I like the trade for Eric Pascal that they just completed what half hour ago, an hour ago. I think that's a smart move for a young player where the Jazz don't have a ton of young talent. I'm a little more questionable about the Hassan Whiteside deal. He wasn't very good last year in Sacramento. But, you know, that that's what you get with a, a thin front court when you get on the open market. Big guys are, are valuable, uh, and that's why they end up getting more money. It's, in fact, why the Jazz spent $10 million for Derek Favors last year, which now looks like an overpay. But you had to get it. You had to get a good player to come in and back up Rudy Gobert, and they might find themselves – uh, with another problem this season, not having better depth. So, Ben, those those three additions you mentioned right there, uh, how many minutes apiece for each do you anticipate? Uh, I think you'll probably see something in the range of 20 minutes for Rudy Gay. I think that's a guy 
who can step up and play pretty significantly. He almost played entirely at the power forward, played a little bit at center for the Spurs. I don't know if we'll see Quinn Snyder go that small with, with five out. Uh, he's probably in the 20 to 25 minute range, depending on, on what happens with Boyan Bogdanovich and his health. So he tends to generally be one of the Ironmen of the NBA. He doesn't miss a lot of games. Eric Pascal probably doesn't play a ton. You know, he didn't play a ton last year on the Warriors, though his numbers certainly got better, and I think that was a good sign. That's what you want to see. His actual averages dropped, but his per-minute production went up, so that's a good sign. He had that really good rookie year because the Warriors were so depleted with injuries. So he's probably maybe in that 10-minute range, I think, but it would require Quinn Snyder probably to expand his, his rotation to 10 players, which he basically never does. And then I'm not sure about Hassan Whiteside. Maybe he's really good, and he steps in, and he does the things that he did when he was starting and produces a lot and can play, you know, ideally 15 minutes a game to give Rudy Gobert, you know, 30, a 33-minute average. But I think there's a chance that, that he struggles. He struggles to fit in, that he's not quite the, you know, the type of player stylistically that fits with what Quinn Snyder does. And maybe we see Doka as a bookie actually gets some of those minutes. So I'm not predicting a ton for Hassan Whiteside right off the bat. So have the Jazz addressed their issue that was evident against the Clippers as far as flexibility slash versatility? I think they got a little more versatile in the front court, and that's kind of tricky. You know, you can point to a couple of different areas where the Jazz failed defensively against the Clippers. Now, certainly they were asking Rudy Gobert to defend Terrence Mann on the three-point line, which is not really his job, and then also defend the paint, which is his job. And the reason he had to defend the paint was because nobody on the perimeter was staying in front of their man. Now, maybe the reason nobody was staying in front of their man was because Mike Conley was hurt and because Donovan Mitchell was hurt. And, you know, Mike Conley basically wasn't in the game at all. He only played that, that, that final game of the series. And Donovan Mitchell was playing on one foot. Do they feel like just having those two back and fully healthy in the playoffs is good enough to improve their perimeter defense? It should certainly help. Then you got a guy in, you know, Eric Pascal who can certainly move his feet. He can play a little bit of both front court uh, positions, specifically defensively. I think he can do that. Rudy Gay can probably do it a little bit. I think that helps. But they didn't go out and find kind of that dedicated wing defender that you put alongside Royce O'Neal and you just say your job is to go out there and get stops and slow people down and make sure they don't get that dribble penetration. They didn't do that. And those guys are really hard to find and they're really valuable in the NBA. Maybe Jared Butler coming in can do that, who they drafted in the second round. Maybe you can get some of that with Trent Forrest, who I think is probably good enough to make the roster at the back end, or maybe Aoni ends up uh, getting his contract guaranteed and he finds a way to do it. But they don't have a proven option yet who can do that. What did you think of the Jazz draft night, Ben? I, I thought it was really good. I, I think it was good for a couple of reasons. First of all, I love Jared Butler. Now, I heard after the, the draft and talked to some people that his knee injuries are, are more concerning uh, than anyone had talked about really before the draft, and that was more the reason why he fell on draft night, not his heart. So if, if he has a knee injury that people don't feel is going to get better or is just going to get worse quickly in the NBA, that's certainly scary. But the Jazz mitigated that by trading out of a first-round pick, moving down to the 40th pick, and getting two of future second-round picks, one of which they just used to trade to, to get Eric Pascal. So in that sense, they did a really good job because they're going to be on the hook for very little money for a guy in Jared Butler, something like you know $800,000, $900,000 next year, which is about half of what he would have gotten had he been the 30th overall pick. So they saved themselves money, plus the luxury tax that would have gone into that money or, or come with that money had they made him the first-round pick, and I think they probably would have been comfortable doing it if they had to. They still got him at 40. He you know, didn't miss games at, at Baylor, so if he does have any injury, it hasn't affected him to this point in his career. Uh, it certainly could down the line. But he's a terrific player. I mean, there, there was a reason on most mock drafts that you know apparently didn't know about his medical issues and not many people talked about it. Uh, he, he was a top-20 pick. Some had him in the late lottery. He's really smooth with the ball in his hands. He was arguably the best player on that Baylor team, even though they had Davion Mitchell, who ended up being a top-10 pick and was the defensive player of the year in college. He was the most outstanding player during the NCAA tournament. He's just extremely talented. He can shoot the ball really well. He can make plays for others. He defends his position well. He's, he's smart, and, and he's really engaging. And, and, you know, we talked to him a little bit last week, and he seems like a terrific kid off the floor. So those are all bonuses, but clearly there was enough fear about his, his knees and his health issues that, that he flipped out of the first round. And that could certainly change the outlook of how this draft looks for the Jazz. Ben, do you think at the start of the 21-22 season 
that Joe Ingles will be on the Jazz roster? Yeah, I, I think he will be. I, I think the Jazz are in a spot right now where they're probably pretty comfortable with who this team is. And you don't want to trade all your pieces before the season starts and, and not leave yourself as much flexibility in the season if you decide to make a move. So I, I think you come in next year with this roster basically as is. Like we talked about, you've got a 10-man rotation with the additions of, of Whiteside and Gay and uh, Eric Pascal, who you just traded for. I think you've probably got 10 pretty good players that you're comfortable with. And if you start to feel like, hey, you know, Jared Butler's too good to not have in this rotation and we think he's going to hold up, and Joe Ingles is on an expiring contract, and Butler can do most of the things that Joe Ingles can, and you want to save money. Because remember, you don't get charged your luxury tax at the beginning of the year. That comes at the end of the season when they decide how much money you have on your, on your books. If the Jazz say, hey, we can cut salary or we need to get a better backup for Rudy Gobert, we can trade a player like Joe Ingles for an expiring or as an expiring contract, which is going to have value to another team. And maybe you get a, a, a better player or a player who fits more in the front court or one of those defensive-minded guys on the wing we talked about. I don't think you necessarily have to trade Joe Ingles now just to trade him. And he probably has more valuable more value as the season goes on. Looking around the rest of the league, Ben, whose offseason have you liked? Um, It's been a, a not super, I guess, incredibly surprising uh, offseason. The Lakers are going to be the most interesting team just because they added so many, you know, old players, but kind of proven veterans on the small contracts. And of course, what they did with Russell Westbrook. So they had to do something. I don't think as is they were talented enough to win a championship, even if they were fully healthy. And still, I don't know if they're that good. You know, I don't. I don't know if if Carmelo Anthony and, and some of these pieces, Malik Monk that they brought in. Uh, I don't know how much those guys end up moving the needle, but but potentially they do. I think uh, Kendrick Nunn, who they added yesterday, is probably a pretty good pretty good addition to that roster. Uh, I like what the Charlotte Hornets are doing. Uh, I know that doesn't have a direct impact on the Jazz other than the Gordon Hayward connection. Uh, I thought they had a good draft, and I think they've been smart about going out and adding players. If I'm the Jazz, I love that New Orleans hasn't figured it out because it seemed like a couple of years ago when they ended up with the number one pick in Zion Williamson and they had Brandon Ingram and they had all these good young players and all these draft picks, you thought, oh, man, this team is in terrific shape to, to not just be a playoff contender, but maybe a championship contender within a couple of seasons. And Zion has done nothing but live up to the expectation. And David Griffin in that front office has just absolutely mangled the roster around him and, and traded picks to clear salary cap room to sign a point guard this offseason and just failed to do it. They just don't have a guy. So I think the Jazz find themselves in, in a pretty good spot with that sense if you're looking at the, if you're looking at a team like uh, the, the Pelicans, I should say, who just have not quite improved the way you should. I think the Suns had a good offseason. They were smart to not completely retool everything. They probably had to bring Chris Paul back. It would have been pretty devastating if they hadn't. So I think there have been a couple of good ones. Chicago will certainly be interesting. I think they'll be fun to watch, and they should be back in the playoffs, and that's somewhere they have to be. But I don't know if there was a bunch of you know major, major shakeups yet to this point. You mentioned a word, uh, both when you were talking about the Jazz and when you were talking about the Lakers there, that I find sort of fascinating and as the Jazz are going through this process of the offseason, uh, age. How important is that, Ben, as far as if you've got a serviceable player, uh, you want some young energy on your roster, right? But you also want the kind of cagey veterans. So where, where is, what, what has, have the Jazz done that is, uh, that is making it so that that balance is right? Yeah, I, I think they were smart to do it, and I think it's something where maybe they dropped the ball in the last couple of seasons where they just let themselves get old quickly because they felt young for a long time. They felt young with Donovan Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert was you know, 26 and 27. You thought, okay, this is a good young roster for the next little while, and you sign them to their max contract. And Donovan's still young. He's 24. Uh, but Rudy Gobert is, what, 29 now? Garrett Favors was old. Mike Conley's old. Joe Ingles is old. And, again, these guys are you know, 33. They're not, they're not 45-year-olds. But – but, but, but they feel old for NBA players. And then you didn't look down the pipeline on the Jazz roster, even at the end of the bench, where they had some of their young pieces, and there wasn't a guy who you're thinking, I know that guy's going to be a part of the future. I know that guy is somebody who's coming up through the ranks that's going to take over, you know, when, when some of these older players in Ingles and, and Mike Conley kind of age themselves out of the NBA. I, I didn't see that. So now I think going out and getting Jared Butler, if he can stay healthy, is definitely one of those pieces, and that's important. Uh, I think Eric Pascal is a really smart move for a second-round draft pick, even though you have to take on a little bit of salary to do it. 
I think he's a young guy who could be in the NBA for a while and can certainly help you. I think having those pieces is important, and they would really benefit if, you know, Trent Forrest, Elijah Hughes, Yudoka Azabuki, who I thought looked really good last night, if one of those guys, Jarrell Brantley, if one of those guys proves that they belong in the NBA too and really is a good rotation piece, that would really help, I think, the Jazz timeline is just having a few answers, especially in the backcourt with Forrest and Butler uh, at Mike Conley ages and as Joe Ingles ages. I think that would be a really big boost for a team that, that could use a little bit, and it, use a little bit of a, an influx of young blood. And what's the value of adding a 15-year veteran like Rudy Gay, not, not just uh, as we address his talents, but rather his experience? Yeah, just having been there. I mean, I think he started something like 760 games in his career, and you know, George Ingle, or George Niang, excuse me, is, is what, and is going into his fifth or sixth season in the NBA and hasn't played that many. You know, and, and Rudy Gay has started that many and has probably started, you know, 100-plus games in the playoffs or, or, or you know, maybe played 100 playoff games uh, from his time in Memphis with Mike Conley. So you look at these guys who have, have that type of experience, you can find yourself late in a playoff game and needing an extra body, and the Jazz couldn't turn to George Niang because they didn't trust that he could play defense on the perimeter or just that he would make the right decision just because he hadn't seen it before. And that's no knock on George Niang. That's just what inexperience does. And Rudy Gay has been in you know, these high-leverage situations and these important games before and been in Game 7 and been to the Western Conference Finals. But those types of things really matter. And he's had coaching from, from great coaches like Greg Popovich and coming in, he'll get it from Quinn Snyder. That experience of just having been there before and having done it before. So in a moment's notice, you know how to adjust or adapt to something or fill a different role than maybe you had all season. Those are really valuable. I think it's what you saw from Joe Johnson a couple of years ago when the Jazz beat the Clippers in the playoffs. He hadn't filled that role that the Jazz needed from him all season long. And then Rudy Gobert gets hurt on the first play of the, of the series, and he's your backup power forward or your starting power forward. And Derek Favors moved to center, and Joe Johnson won you that series. So I think you get that type of experience that ends up being really valuable, especially in the playoffs. All right, Ben, <clears throat> last thing from me, uh, but uh, I saw this tweet uh, this morning. Get ready, Ben. We don't know where this is going. No, this came from Ben. He knows oh. where this is going. Uh, this tweet says, you go to a karaoke night with a girl, a guy comes up and asks that girl who her favorite musician is, and she tells him and – he then sings one of their songs. Ben adds, what are you supposed to do as the guy? Did this happen to you, Ben? <laughs> this, might, this might have happened right next to me, or it might have happened directly to me last night. I'm not going to say whether the guy with, honestly, fedora, cargo shorts, was wearing flip-flops and a cut-off T-shirt at the bar. Actually okay. did that to me last night, or if it was a guy who was sitting right next to me who he did that with. But, yes, it, it did happen, and – I wasn't offended. I generally am not a super high-temper guy. I've certainly probably had my moments in my life, but I'm not the most explosive person. I'm certainly not bar fight guy. I, I would never <laughs> get myself into trouble like that. But I, I, I did have enough wherewithal to say, what, what, what am I supposed to do in this situation? You know, there needs to be an expected role for a man to be macho or anything. I don't believe that at all. But I'd never seen that before, and I know some other people would react extremely poorly in that situation or be offended <laughs> And I wasn't, and I wondered if maybe, or the guy next to me, I should say, I, I wonder <laughs> if that person should have reacted differently. No, nice. Very well done there. All right, Ben, so last thing for me is that I remember back in the day, Kevin O'Connor used to say stuff, and, and Dennis Lindsay echoed it at times, uh, sometimes the best deals you make are the ones that you don't make. Uh, in a situation like with the Jazz, where they come off a very difficult, very escalating expectations as the season wore on, and they finished with the best record. They go into the playoffs. They lose against the Clippers in that second round. Um, I guess is change good to bolster the spirits of the players who just got beat, feeling as though the team is doing everything it can to uh, to improve the situation. What do you make of that? I do think changes on the periphery and around the edges where you can make little tweaks to get better are good. I, I do think there's a danger in shaking up major pieces of the culture. And, you know, I think that's why they went out and brought in Derek Favors because everyone loved him and clearly missed him in the locker room last year, uh, or I should say two seasons ago now. And they brought him back and then you send him out again. And I'm sure that probably does remind everybody of the kind of ugly business part of the NBA because 
that's hard. You know, like Derek Favors had talked about, he was coming home to, to get ready to watch Summer League in Salt Lake and ended up realizing he has to pack up his house and move to Oklahoma City. So I'm sure that shocks everyone to the core a little bit. George Yang and Joe Ingles are very close friends. I'm sure they're going to miss having that type of person in the locker room. And Joe Ingles is, you know, obviously heard that his name has been shopped around this offseason. At least that's been some of the talk uh, with the Warriors or with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I, I'm sure that rattles you a little bit. At the same point, at the same time, winning cures everything. And the Jazz haven't done anything to prevent themselves from winning. In fact, they protected it by clearing so much money to re-sign Mike Conley, which they absolutely had to do and was the biggest investment they could have made this offseason. And they nailed it, and I think they got him at a good price for a nice long contract, as long as he's probably going to still be a pretty productive NBA player. So in that sense, they kept what allowed them to win so many games together uh, or, or win so many games last year. They kept that together, and that's the most important part. And if you know, they start out the season seven and three, and they look like one of the better teams in the Western Conference again. I don't think the changes they made are going to have an adverse effect on the roster, other than a positive. Uh, Gordon went back to basketball, so this might be a little bit disjointed, but I do have one more question. What was uh, uh, who, what was the song? Who was the artist? Uh, Hozier. Who? Hozier. He ended up singing "Take Me to Church" by Hozier, which the words are not about what you think it's about. Okay. All right, I'll look into that. You know, Jake is so interested in this topic. Is And I've gone to karaoke bars with Jake before and piano bars, and I've seen the way he behaves, Ben, and he probably would be indicating that whatever it was that he was involved in was done by who, the guy who was next to him. Well, I, I, I've just got to tell you, this this thing just fascinates me. I mean, first of all, the stone's on the dude to come up and, and just <laughs> ask that question in the first place. And then second of all, isn't that the sappiest slash stupidest thing you've ever heard? <laughs> like, do you think it that was, ever has worked? I, right, that's the thing. I, I mean, I knew there was no chance. I, I don't think the guy next to me thought there was any chance it was going to work. So I don't think he felt threatened at all by the situation and it was silly and of course he and the girl laughed about it but and it was kind of funny of the guy you know maybe he just wanted some inspiration for a song to sing (laughs) but he certainly singled her out of a crowd to come up and sing so that part of it was strange strange. and i think that's what i thought the guy next to me felt maybe a little bit weird about even though he was fine i get it like they ended up leaving together so it was fine everything worked out but it was just one of those situations where if you step back you could have seen how a different person could have reacted differently than the yeah. guy I was sitting next to. Yeah. I, got, I got one more basketball question. You're going for back you, to basketball again? Yeah. Stop it! No, no, I'm I mean, we have the interview been, on a fun note. We have been here, and I want to take advantage of his vast well, knowledge. Along. Why do you ask about karaoke or something? Why do we have to go back? Well, could you break down the hard cap? <laughs> Can we? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, now it seems like uh, my question to you, are you expecting any other moves? I'm not speaking specifically about the Jazz, but anything else in this offseason that you think might be a major move by any of the teams? Uh, I I still would be hard-pressed to think that Ben Simmons returns to Philadelphia. I know they've kind of started to change that tune a little bit. And I think they're probably laying the groundwork in case they get to that point where they have to, because generally the moves that are made are made you know, before draft night or on draft night, and they haven't gotten that done. I still think they're going to recognize you just can't. I mean, the, their head coach said you don't know if you can win with that player in the playoffs, and you're expecting everything to come back next season to be kumbaya. I don't really think you can do that. So I would expect Ben Simmons probably still ends up on the move. I would have thought it would have happened earlier. It hasn't. But that's because their asking price has been so high. And as it gets later in the season, they'll back off that and then they'll end up trading him somewhere. Did you find some irony in the fact that according to, as Jake refers to them, the Wizards in Vegas were listing the Jazz as one of the top five teams that are most likely or were most likely to acquire Ben Simmons? I, certainly that would be difficult for the Jazz to do after some of the conversations. But you know what? Hassan Whiteside and uh, and Rudy Gobert haven't really liked each other historically, and that didn't stop the Jazz from bringing him in. So, you know, maybe there's an outside chance. I think they're probably pretty happy with Mike Conley. Ben, thank you. Appreciate it as always. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. See you, buddy. Our friend Ben Anderson from KSL Sports. Can't I just end the interview on a fun, lighthearted ha ha? Thank you, Ben. You got to cut dragon. Actually. Well, it was basketball. A, it, I'm getting the last question oh, here. See, going was, back it, to basketball. You know, it was an ego move by me. I know. Now you know that. I know. <laughs> I love you, Gordon. I really do. You know what? I knew that was, that was the best thing you could have said. <laughs>
Uh, Ben's awesome. We love having Ben on the show. I but I can't believe that. You imagine sitting there, you're at a karaoke bar, you're you're on a date, and and some bozo comes right up to you like, "Hey there, who's your favorite artist?" <laughs> and then you take that information and go right up to the microphone, and this one goes out to uh, this uh, very special someone that I just talked to a minute ago. Well, Can you t- imagine? I, I I it amazes me. How clueless some guys are when it comes to situations like that. He had to be joking, right? That can't be. I, I that can't be a serious. You like to think like, so, but I can't be a serious. I kind of have my doubts. I've seen guys do some pretty strange things that they thought were going to somehow lead to a successful connection, and it just absolutely blew up in their face. Speaking of successful connections. Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical. We're doing Clinic. what we can here, Andrew. I mean, just <laughs> just the topics lead right into you perfectly, Andrew. That was that was a beautiful one. If you want to make more connections with your loved one, that that is what we do. A great tagline: ED erectile dysfunction can get in the way of that, of course. And there's a lot of guys suffering, and I know there's a lot of guys listening that have heard us and are hesitant. Just think. Uh, 10 minute sessions. It's not that bad. It doesn't hurt. And two to three weeks from now, you could be done with the wave therapy, experiencing more blood flow in this part of the body, uh, better circulation. That leads to, in some cases, uh, no or uh, less or no erectile dysfunction and no pills. And guys are really getting relief from this. We're seeing a lot of guys turn back the clock in the bedroom and really get that spontaneity back. Who's a good candidate, Andrew? I would say anybody that's frustrated in the bedroom probably has a blood flow problem. The ideal candidate would be somebody that is not at 0%. If you've had the occasional failure in the bedroom, uh, maybe it's 70% of the time it's pretty good. This is a great time to get it fixed. Repair those blood vessels because we can get you back to 100%. Uh, a lot quicker. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000. Get on the schedule, talk to the doctor, and uh, usually do a little bit extra, right? There's a lot for free. The doctor's exam and assessment, it's basically the screening process to make sure that you'll do well on our treatments. Uh, that's free. We'll give you a gift that produces pretty immediate results in the bedroom. Guys really like it. It's worth the trip. And if you feel like you need it, blood work and testosterone is free. I know guys spending thousands on that, by the way. Wasatch Medical, it is all no charge. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. All right. One more coming up next. Stay tuned. It's The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's been seven hours and 15 days. This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire, every day. With no credit needed, financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res. Your pets are angels, but urine soap carpet is a nightmare for your house. Zero Res has a specialized method to remove stains. Uh, leave your carpets uh, clean and smelling fresh. Schedule your appointment with Zero Res Carpet Cleaning today. That's ZeroResSaltLake.com and up north at ZeroResDavisWeber.com. Last time I checked, angels don't pee all over your house. Yeah, but you, you you think your pets are angels? You love them, you know. You you can't be. At what point do you stop loving? I don't know. I don't have any pets at the moment. <laughs> okay. Don't you have pets in the house right now? Yeah, but they're not even mine. I know, but are they doing? Are they? Uh, yes. Doing a number on the carpet? Are you kidding me? I'm <laughs> going to replace every carpet in our house. Just call Zero Res, man. They'll take care of it. 
Yeah, uh, but uh, I mean, it, uh, I'm not gonna mention this, but I go, uh, you know, it's getting there. It's getting time anyway. Oh, so, I so you're just complaining to complain and to make. Well, them no, feel no, bad. you shouldn't. Uh, just because you might replace the carpet at some point doesn't mean you just turn your back on the damage being done. What What am I supposed to do? They're not my dogs. They're my daughter's dogs, and she and her husband are living at my house because they are renovating their home, and what and and they have two big dogs. Who happened to, on occasion, barf and pee and poop on my carpet? Well, Gornetta, I don't. You know. I, I I like the dogs. They're nice dogs. Angels? Uh Well, well, why don't you more set like up devils? Why don't you set up some some policy? Set up some boundaries. What? What am I supposed to do uh, in that situation? They don't have to be in the house. What? what banish the dogs? Do you have a backyard? <laughs> Just make them stay out there the whole time. It's nice, <laughs> you know, Jake. I can tell you're not a pet owner. Dogs can are just fine outside, all all the time. Sure. No. What do you mean? Good. No. I I did that with the first dog that I had in uh, as a married person, and uh, I built a freaking condo for the thing on the side of the house, and. After that experience, I thought, I'm never going to do that again. If I have a dog, the dog is going to be inside the house. It's not your dog. It is your house. Yeah, but I can't make those rules. You can. <laughs> you totally can. <laughs> no, I, I can't banish my daughter's dogs. Don't look at it as banished. One of them, it's, it's one just... of them is, a, uh, is a husky slash Malamute mix. Beautiful dog. The other one is a German Shepherd uh, Malamute mix. Uh, so my uh, they're big. Our family used to have Malamute, and uh, there's hair all over your house, isn't there? <laughs> uh, I haven't noticed that as much, but uh, maybe they blow coat. That's that's what it's called, and it's <laughs> remarkable. <laughs> How much hair comes out of those types of dogs? And by the way, that dog that our family had spent a great deal of time outside. Well, well, what's the use of having a dog if you're going to stick him outside all the time? You still interact with the dog. You don't go outside. Yeah, but you can't cuddle with the dog. Sure you know, you can. The kids can't watch TV with the dog. Well, the dog doesn't need outside. to watch TV. Yeah, but, like the dog. Does the dog take your spot on the couch too? <laughs> the dog. That spot opened up, by the way. Oh, it did. Uh, yeah. So, but the dog, uh, it, it, the dogs, they inter, they sort of insert themselves into the family lineup. Yeah, ahead of you, yeah. that would tick me off. <laughs> well, everyone's ahead of me. Yeah, that would bother me. Um, Are you excited about college football? Yes, very much. The Utes opening camp today. Uh, yeah, and, I, and BYU BYU starts when on uh, Monday is it? Uh, coming up here, it's 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 happening, Jake. College football is happening. I know, and it's it's great. I am extremely excited. I think that there are, I I think Utah has a ton of potential. I'm very curious about BYU because they're mm -hmm. replacing so much. Right. Uh, but I'm I'm excited to find that out. Right, you know. Uh, Utah State is even more of a question mark. We'll see what happens with uh, with the Aggies. But, yes, I am thrilled to have college football back. I'm excited for the normalcy. I'm excited to see the competition. I think the Pac-12 as a league is going to be good. BYU's got a ton of very interesting opponents on their, their schedule. I'm not sure if it's quite as good as the one Tom Homo had to wad up and <laughs> pitch into the garbage can last year, but very intriguing. Yeah. Starting with that game against Arizona down in Vegas, which – Apparently is already a sellout. That stadium is man, that is impressive. Uh, yeah, but you can't get in and out of it. Have you seen the Have you seen the horror stories or the the no. videos online or whatever? On? Apparently, they just had some sort of concert down there uh -huh. last weekend, and the oh, it was the it was the 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 soccer match, the Gold Cup. That uh, there were these videos around everywhere that and it people was just, can't get in and out of the yeah, building. It's what's in what's and, the matter? In and out of the building and in and out of the parking lot. They just haven't had the. They don't have the. The like logistics setup, ideally. I mean, it really, is it a physical building problem, or I don't know. is it uh, is it uh, a people problem? I'm not or? sure. I'm not sure. I the way I think about it, though, they've only held like two events with with 
a crowd there, period. Do you remember the Olympics are going on? You remember the O2 Olympics? You were around town. Yeah. You remember the security at the beginning of the Olympics? What a disaster it was. But by week two, they had figured all the stuff out, all the logistics out, and it was much, you know, nobody was complaining about it anymore because they were much more efficient and had it all figured out. I bet that's what it is hmm. with the stadium down there in Vegas. I bet they just haven't had the events, so they haven't ironed out all the. Well, that kinks. explains why you can't get in, but why can't you get out? I don't know if I could explain it any better. But I have not been there. So well, I don't uh, know. There's no security check on your way out, is there? <clears throat> well, I'm no, I'm not talking about specifically the security check. I'm talking about getting the things figured out, the lines and all <laughs> and the people and where yeah, to be. Yeah, but all you got to do is walk security. out the door. I was using that as an example of how when you figure out the logistics, okay. it gets better. Okay, well, all I know is the stadium looks absolutely gorgeous. And uh, I recently... Happened to be driving by that building, and I thought, yeah, BYU, Arizona, right there. And that, and uh, <laughs> well, they only got, what do they got? Uh, what are we looking at, three weeks? Hopefully they'll be able to get the logistics worked out by then. But uh, I can understand why BYU fans would flock to a game like that in a place like that. Oh, yeah, sure. And, and by the way, the more they support that game, the more of those games can pop up in the future, and I think – well, depending on what college football looks like in the coming years, but I think they could play that to their advantage. You know, if they are going to get Notre Dame ever yeah. to, to fulfill their contract, mm-hmm. that seems the most likely solution. And with with the number of fans BYU has in that general area, they well, are always going to draw well there. And uh, and also the the neutral site games you can sell independently the TV rights to, so it can mean a little bit of a bonus. Mm on top of what you're already making uh, from your TV deal. So there's there's all sorts of like really good reasons to play more of those games, but they're only going to do it if they're well-supported because so, that's when the incentive comes. In the case of the Notre Dame potential uh, completion of that contract, uh, that would be a great answer for BYU. Well, I still don't think it'll ever happen, but if it ever did, that's why. Okay, well, Notre Dame would want to play there, and obviously Notre Dame draws well. BYU has a zillion fans in that area, and uh, and it's just a spectacular setting. And if TV is interested in, in jumping all over that, then, yeah, I, I could see BYU using that to their advantage, if not every season, pretty regularly. Yeah, I, I would think that that would be smart. Yeah. I'm sure we're not uh... – breaking any news to Tom Homo. But uh, <laughs> I, I think that if this first go-around is successful, I think that will help grease the wheels. Because what you can do with it, with uh, neutral site games is you, you can split the gate, and that makes BYU support even more because, hey, if three-quarters of the stadium is BYU fans, you're still getting a cut. You're still getting an even share, right? And a, a game against, say, Arizona, you would think, okay, well, Vegas is, is, is between – where BYU is and where Arizona is, you would think that uh, uh, Arizona fans, well, I don't know. How All many, how five much? of them. <laughs> That's true. But the location is nice for them as well. Well, but everybody. Be, but that, that building is going to be predominantly blue. Yeah, I uh, well, Arizona blue or BYU well, blue? Arizona um, blue and red. I don't, I don't know how many Arizona fans are going to go. Uh, I will say the fact that it's Vegas helps that a lot because – People are just looking for an excuse to go to Vegas, right? That's true. I mean, you're just looking for a reason like, oh, yeah, I haven't been to an Arizona football game in 10 years, but, hey, my Wildcats <laughs> are playing BYU in Vegas. Got to go support you them. Got to get up there and, and make it happen. Uh, we see it, Gordon, uh, when you've covered Pac-12 uh, basketball tournaments. Mm-hmm. I mean, true, Arizona is usually good every year, but that place is full of Arizona fans. Mm-hmm. It's like Arizona and Gonzaga fans just split the town for a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, well, it's geographically available to them. So it's, it, it'd be advantageous for BYU if it were successful, and I have every reason to be uh, to believe that it uh, that it will. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, to bring this full circle, I'm super excited about college football. I, I, I would imagine you feel the same. I think Utah is going to be really good, and I think BYU is going to be better than what some people expect. 
and even against that schedule, which I think it, it gives you the impression that it could be really difficult, and it will be at times. But it's still, I still think that schedule is manageable for the Cougars if they can. What do you mean it, by manageable? It, it, it's. I think they can win seven or eight, nine games maybe. Man, if they schedule. if they won nine games this year, that would be maybe. over over the nine, moon nine successful. Is, nine is a big number. I think seven or eight would be successful. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with that, but that's not bad against a schedule like that. It's really not. And, and How many Pac-12 games do they have? Five? Is that what it is? I don't know. And then you throw in Virginia, Baylor, Boise State. You know, yeah, it's it's a respectable schedule for sure. Now, USC, who else they got? Utah, Well, that's Arizona, what I'm saying. I think they have. Here, Arizona I'm, State. I'm bringing it up here. So, BYU, they're going to take on – oh, what is this? Sorry, I clicked on a, on a bad link. I should have had this already up and, with, and ready to go. I apologize. But let's see here. All right, BYU has Arizona. Here's the schedule. Arizona, uh, home against Utah, home against Arizona State, uh, home against USF at Utah State, home against Boise at Baylor at Washington State, oh. home against UVA, home against Idaho State, by at Georgia Southern, and then at USC to uh, finish things off. Yeah, that's 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 got some stuff in it, and but I think the Cougars are, are more talented than than we thought they were. They and play the the three best teams in the South Division. Yeah, Utah, Arizona State, and USC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. And uh, I don't know if Virginia is going to be any good. What's Broncos' program like right now? I mean, you 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 keep track of them because you hate them better than they have a right to be. <laughs> <laughs> Better than they were in the previous two decades before he got there. I, I think I think UVA has actually turned into a very Bronco-like program where they're going to win the games they probably should win. Um, they're they're going to be disciplined, and he's going to get the most out of his players, all those things. But I, I don't know enough about this year's version, but I don't expect them to threaten for a division in the ACC. No, and I, most of the projections I've seen on that particular game have BYU favored. Uh, so yeah, I mean we'll we'll see how it turns out. Utah State, on the other hand, I I just I know they have a new coach and I know they brought in some new players, but I I just think it's going to take some time. I think it will too. All right, coming up next we have the Not Sports Report. You want to give us a tease, Gordon? Oh, just stay right where we are. <laughs> Glued. What if you have to go to the bathroom? I'm sure it'll be ego driven by me. I really hurt your feelings today. I told you I was going to be nice, and I really hurt your feelings today. You complained about me to Scotty. Yeah, but it was just all in good fun. You basically went to HR on me today. <laughs> it's all its all just laughs. None of this is meant to be real. Yeah, that's... At least uh, on my part. I don't you, know yours. You went to the boss. <laughs> uh, is Scotty our boss? Yes. Because I look at Scotty as just being our friend. Scotty's very much our boss. <laughs> Probably <laughs> ought to remember that. <laughs> All right, not sports board next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Check them out online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going two places. Uh, we're going back to the Boston area, and we're going to South Dakota. The first, uh, first let me do South Dakota first here. Jake, has the Sturgis uh, motorcycle rally ever intrigued you at all? No. Have you ever had any desire to go to it? No. Well, it's happening this week, and apparently hundreds of thousands of um, motorcyclist enthusiasts are on their way to the rally. Now, I've got some friends who who have gone to that. In fact, one of them invited me to go with and ride alongside um, once, and uh, I, I did not do it. But it, the, all these super wealthy professional people, you know, suddenly are growing beards and, and kind of trying to look tough. You know, adding tattoos here and there, and as they roll into the uh, to, to the uh, to the Sturgis area, but Jake, most of them are not really 
of that ilk, if you know what I mean. I know exactly what you mean. So what are they doing? I mean, are, do people just like to get dressed up and pretend? Yes. It's like what we were talking about before with the, the concerts. It's a whole fantasy. But what do you think actual bikers, like biker bikers, yeah, think about that? They're probably bothered by that. Oh, yeah. But they hate it. They want the real deal. I don't know. Maybe they maybe they do extend a, a hand of friendship to the guys who are trying to be like them. But they are kind of posing a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing about it. You know, we still got that uh, Delta variant out there, and they're expecting uh, 700,000 people to show up. And uh, there's just something, and I don't know this for a fact, but I, I kind of would guess that it might be a group of people who may be a little resistant to uh, wearing masks and whatnot. Yeah, but didn't they uh, complain about it last year when it <laughs> happened anyway? Yeah. Okay, the second story is, it's kind of funny, but it's kind of sad. Apparently, uh, on a beach in Massachusetts, a whale uh, uh, washed up on the, on the beach. And it's sitting there decomposing in the hot, hot East Coast sun. And it's not only decomposing, but it's stinking up the entire area. And the neighborhood, there's a place there called, what's the neighborhood called? Oh, it's something highfalutin. Anyway, uh, Ocean Shores or something like that. And everybody in the neighborhood is complaining because the whale washed up on a, on a private beach. And so ordinarily there would be certain, you know, uh, I guess organizations that would be in place to clean up the mess. But because it's on a private beach... Uh, nobody has. And it's been out there stinking up the place for a couple weeks now, decomposing as it goes. And the HOA has refused to to clean it up. But the people in this hoity-toity neighborhood are all clamoring for the, the local HOA to get out there and clean up that stinking blubber. All right, now... The way I see it, I would love to pile on an HOA because <laughs> usually they're full of Karens and overly uh, uh, um, involved people, right? Uh, but in this case, I don't blame them. Like, let me let me ask you about this. What private beach? Uh, so what? Like, <laughs> if you had a bobcat in your backyard, Gordon, and you called the the animal services or whatever, do you think they'd say, "I'm sorry, sir, your backyard is private." <laughs> So you're going to have to deal with that bobcat yourself. No, right? I mean, how if if you had some sort of animal, heaven forbid, uh, die in your backyard, <laughs> like so, like a like a skunk had a heart attack and just up and died in your backyard, yeah. and you called animal control, would they tell you, "I'm sorry, sir, your backyard is private. Uh, you're going to have to deal with that skunk yourself." No, right? They'd come out and take care of it. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I don't understand. Well, I don't know either, but there is some squabbling going back and forth uh, among the entities. The city dump has agreed to take the whale, I mean, to receive the whale, not to go get the whale and bring it in. But one of the problems with this is this particular kind of whale is prone to spreading disease. So there is a public uh, health issue involved here as well. But right now, the thing is just sitting there rotting. And, and, and what they're worried about is that it stinks so bad. And by the way, it's called Ocean Air Estates. <laughs> Ocean Air Estates. But the thing stinks so bad that it's seeping into the houses. And, and people now are, uh, are clamoring to go out and, like, light it on fire. And well, they should blow it up like that, uh, <laughs> like that whale carcass in where was that? It was in Washington somewhere, right? Did they blow that up? You know, we played that oh, news story. Right. Remember, they we packed did. it full of dynamite, and they thought it would just incinerate the the whale. And it blew, it blew, it blew bits and pieces all, all over. over town, caused tons of damage. Well, they're worried about people taking matters into their own hands because then that would uh, spread the, the possibility of disease. But the folks of Ocean Air Estates quite upset 
about the stinking whale. And, you know, what's weird is they think what killed it was a collision with a vessel. Okay. So a ship ran it over. Okay. And didn't tell anybody? <laughs> this is quite the uh, tale of Moby Dick. Something every day. Uh, let's get out to, <laughs> to the zone phone. Joining us now from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Make the transition. He's our friend. Make Andrew the transition. Reinhardt. You, you put me in that position. Uh, hi, Andrew. Let's help our listeners, shall we? I'd, I'd make the transition, but I would like to come back on the show. I don't want to be banned. <laughs> yeah, no. no, we want you to come back too, Andrew. I, <laughs> I tell you, we should just move on. That sounds like the yeah. right thing to do. Mm. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> right. So if our uh, listeners out there, some people might be struggling with the ED and probably kicking the can down the road, don't want to deal with it. Well, now is a great time and you've got the solution. Yeah, they say that two thirds of men with erectile dysfunction do nothing. So 70 percent, uh, probably embarrassment or the stigma around it. I don't think erectile dysfunction is tied to manliness. You know, it, it, these are two different things. This can happen to anybody. If you're out there frustrated, you probably have a blood flow problem and damaged blood vessels. That's what our technology at Wasatch Medical repairs. With the gentle pressure waves, it opens up the blood vessels. It improves the circulation enough that guys have gotten rid of the ED completely. And thank goodness there are no pills and no side effects included. Wow, see, that's got to be a lot of value to guys because the side effects, people have been dealing with it for way too long. They have. You're going to get headaches, blurred vision. The pill will stop working after a certain amount of time. I have never seen a side effect with our technology. I've never seen any recovery time. Uh, It's really cool to see patients kind of leave the clinic like a new person. The erectile dysfunction gone happiness, intimacy, all of this is so tied together. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000. Get on the schedule, come in and see the doctor, and uh, you're doing a lot for free right now. There is a lot for free. You'll meet with our doctor, kind of the screening and approval process. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound, and you're right, no charge. Uh, You can leave your wallet at home and just come in and take the free if you like. You get that gift that produces powerful results in the bedroom. Really cool. And if you feel like you need it, blood work and testosterone is included right now as well. A uh, lot of value. It's all no charge. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. All right. We'll have more coming up next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.